everyone. Thank you. Good morning. My name's Alison, um, and I'm a member of the church here at Jubilee. And um, let's move this. I feel like I'm about to fall off. Let's move this back a bit. Okay, so, um, so this morning, um, I'm going to be carrying on our series looking at parables. Um, and as we've learned, um, parables are a way that Jesus used to illustrate truths that he wants us to grasp and wants us to understand. So today, um, we're going to be looking at the parable of the persistent widow. So if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Luke chapter 18, we're going to be looking at verse 1 to 8. It should come up on the screen um, in front of you. Okay. So one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to, to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, he said, who, 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 excuse me, who said, who neither feared nor, no, my, my, where are my words going? I think I'll just start again. Can I start again? Is that okay? Okay, let's go. Okay. So, I'll stop and talk. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that certain city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice, that she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So in this parable, Jesus is impressing upon us the importance of never giving up praying, particularly about specific things that concern us. And he uses the illustration of this persistent widow to show us how we must be persistent in seeing change and seeing breakthroughs in our lives. So just as this widow kept on coming repeatedly to the judge, we are to come repeatedly to God. A definition of persistence is this. It's someone who is persistent, continues trying to do something, even though it is difficult or other people are against it. That's what persistence looks like. And I think this quote on the next slide will help us illustrate it. It says, a river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but through its persistence. I say it again. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. It keeps on running, it just keeps on going. In today's society, um, the messages that we get are about how to make life as quick and as easy as possible. Uh, any of you recognize any of these things? Yeah, a few of you? So whether it's the way we shop or the way we cook, I mean, nowadays people write books by talking to their laptops and voila, there is a book. No need to type, it's, you know, it's just, just talk. Now, I'm not saying that these things are evil or or bad, because seriously, I use this stuff all the time. These are my friends. But 
with, but because we have this expectation that everything must happen now or yesterday, we often project that onto God instead of patiently waiting and persisting for his timing. So in this parable, we, we, we learn a lot about what God is like, and importantly, we learn about what he is not like. And in this parable and throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to seek God and persist on praying till we see an answer. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, just uh, yeah, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to truly hear what you are saying to us today. And I pray that as we hear your words, that our hearts will be stirred to pray, and our hearts will be stirred to pray persistently. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> to help us um, understand this parable and work through what God is saying about persistent prayer, we have um, three points that I'm going to talking you through. They are, we must have the right view of God, we must persist with patience, and we must stand firm. So the first point, we must have the right view of God. Now, it's really important that we understand that Jesus is contrasting this unjust judge with God. Jesus is saying to us that God is not like the judge. In fact, he is the opposite of him. You see, the way we see God filters across everything, including how we approach God and how we live our lives. And Jesus wants us to grasp that we have a compassionate God who wants to hear us, who wants to be in relationship with us, and wants to help us unlike this unjust judge. Now, even though this judge was uncaring and unjust, the widow had, who had no one else to fight her corner. She just kept coming back and coming back over again and again. She wanted justice. And in the end, just to get this woman off his back, the judge helped her. Also, she was a stranger to the judge. We are God's children that he knows. So to point this out in the contrast, in, in verse 7, Jesus says, and will not God vindicate his elect? We are his church. No, we are his children. We are the bride of Christ. So Jesus is saying to us, if an unjust judge can be moved by a persistent stranger who he doesn't even care about, how much more will God help his own chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? See, God loves us with a compassionate, everlasting love. In Zephaniah 3.7, he says to us, he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over us with singing. Just imagine that. So in this parable, there are key points of contrast that we can learn about between the widow and the judge and God and us, his church. So I've just put them up there for you to see. So the widow, she had no one to speak for her. But we have a king, Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf. She would have had to make an appointment, probably, to go and see this judge. But we have access to God any time and all the time, day and night. And you know, the judge, well, he was irritated by this woman coming over and over again. But God delights in and requires our obedience and persistence in prayer. He wants it. And unlike the judge... 
God doesn't answer prayers just to get us off his back. No, he wants to answer prayers out of his love for us. He wants to answer our prayers. And the widow came to a judge who kept her at a grudging distance. Like, oh, this woman again. But we come to a father who says, come to me boldly. So we can come boldly before our God. Now, there's a real persistence, a real doggedness about this woman to keep on coming back again to this wicked, this wicked judge who was clearly irritated by her. It must have felt awful. You know, she's coming and he's just like, oh, you again. How much more then can we, God's children, keep on coming boldly to our father? Hebrews 4.16 helps us understand it. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help as when we need it most. And over and over again in the Bible, God calls us to seek him and pray persistently. He says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him all the time. So praying persistently out of our relationship with God, it keeps our hearts squarely on him. A God who wants to address our needs and our desires, but he also wants us to love him and seek him as, as our priority. It's then that we will see the breakthroughs in our lives. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says this. It says, so don't worry about these things saying, you know, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So we have to ask ourselves, in the midst of all of our issues, whether it's our lives, you know, paying bills, jobs, relationships, businesses, what or who takes priority? Is God and his kingdom our priority? And I say this because here God is saying, if we place priority on him and his rulership, he will give us what we need. That's what he's saying here. Now, I know, I know how easy it is to get in a cycle of worrying about everyday real concerns. There's real things that come our way. For example, you know, me and my husband, we have businesses, and there have been times when things are really hard. And if we're not praying about these issues persistently and giving it to God, we end up consumed by the issues, and then our focus isn't on God. And then this is how discouragement and apathy creep in, which leads to prayerlessness. So if you're persistently worrying or concerned about something, my strong encouragement to you is that you should be persistently praying about that thing. God already knows exactly what we need, and he'll give us our needs if our first concern is to live for his kingdom. See, persistent prayer, it keeps our focus on God and it builds our trust and our relationship with him. We look to him for the breakthroughs in our life and not our own strategies and plans. He wants to answer our prayers, but we need to be praying to see them answered. And it's through this continued, persistent prayer that we will see the power of God at work in our lives and in the world around us. You see, if our motives and our priorities are right, 
In God's perfect timing, we will see the answer to prayer. But if our hearts and our motives are not right, or if we don't ask, we won't. James 4, 2-3 says this, and some strong words. It says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Strong words. If we are living right and our priorities are right, then God will not withhold anything good from his children. He says this in Psalm 84:11, for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. But it's God's timing. It's his wisdom and it's not ours. Our ability to wait also tests our maturity. It proves our faith. Do we throw a tantrum when we don't get what we want? When we keep on asking? Do we, do we keep on going in humility and patience or do we just throw the towel in? God wants us to have what we need, but over and above that, he wants Christ-likeness for us. And patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, a mark of Christ-likeness. Sometimes God may make us wait so we can see what is truly in our hearts. And God isn't testing us because he wants us to fail or he's being mean. He tests us to shape us into Christ and to purify our hearts. So the question is, will we keep on praying when we don't see the results immediately? God is calling us to persist and persist and keep on going. Some people say, oh, you know, if you think, you just pray once, that's all we need. No, I've prayed. But that isn't what the Bible tells us. Jesus consistently, more than anybody else, taught and shared about keeping asking God And earlier in the Gospel of Luke, he said this. He taught the same thing, Luke 11, 9 to 12. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a scorpion? Do you, do you give them a snake instead, sorry? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. How much more, our God? Sometimes we're praying for a situation to change, but it is us that actually needs to change. Maybe we're praying about that terrible boss every day, and we're not getting any breakthrough there. But maybe God is saying, actually, you're the one that needs to change. Are we willing to have ears to hear what God is truly saying to us? So as we submit and persist in praying, God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we're to trust God with the small things and the big things in our lives. And as we do so, he will place the godly desires in our hearts, the desires that will line up with his will. He says in Psalm 37, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. 
Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. As we immerse ourselves in him, he puts the desires in our hearts. It's not about what we want, it's about what he wants. We become so entwined with what he wants that our hearts are shaped by him. So therefore, we can have the confidence in approaching God that if we ask anything of him according to his will, he hears us. But we need to wait for God's timing and often the biggest things that God wants to do in our lives take the longest as he shapes us and prepares us. And that leads to my second point. Persist with patience. So when we begin to feel impatient, it means that we're doubting the wisdom of God's timing or the goodness of his guidance. Impatience is a form of unbelief. It may just spring up in our hearts when we're not experiencing the outcome or the answers that we want to get and when we want to get it. The battle with impatience, it can be anything from gridlock on the Beverly Road or it could be major battles in our lives. But instead of impatience, we're called to a deepening willingness to obey God and trust in him and persist in prayer. You see, impatience tempts us to give up. It tempts us to give up. We're so used to getting what we want, making our own plans, and guess what we want when we want it, that we end up going along with our feelings rather than coming to God, standing in his word in persistent, faith-filled prayer. And just as our cars cannot run without fuel, our faith is fueled by hearing the word of God. That's why I'm repeating things over again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing word of God. So we are to absorb his word, letting it rule over our feelings and our circumstances. When feelings and circumstances rule instead of God and his word, our faith becomes weak. We become discouraged and we stop praying. I've been there. This is why we're encouraged in in 2 Corinthians 5-7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are often so caught up in wanting to see the evidence of our praying within our own timelines, but God, but with God, we're to live by faith, trusting in God's timing and not our timelines. God's timing, not our timelines. Whether it's a job situation, a family situation, a qualification, a marriage, the impatience tempts us to give up. It says, why bother? It's not going to change. It's just too hard. It feels terrible. Impatience then tempts us to make rash and unwise decisions outside of the will of God to get our own way quickly instead of waiting and persistent patiently with God. Now, I've always been the kind of person who can, likes to make a plan. I'm, like, no, I'm a make a plan kind of person. And so I understand this temptation really well. But I found that in doing that, I can end up taking even longer as I go around the houses and I end up where I was before, even further back. You see, God can answer our prayers immediately if he wants, but he will wait for the perfect time and it's always better than ours. And we don't know if God's answer will come immediately. Days after or years after we start praying, but he is on the throne and operates from that perfect vantage point God waits, and sometimes he says, even before they call, I will answer. 
So the key is acknowledging God's sovereignty enough to know that he knows what's best for us and not to lose heart in seeking him. We trust in his wisdom, not our own. We trust in in him, not by what we can see. Our passion and our devotion for Christ sets the direction for everything in our lives. Now, the widow's passion was for justice. It provided her with direction. She just kept on coming. And it was that combination of passion and persistence that made her dig in and keep on coming back until she got her breakthrough. And it is the same for us. Our passion for God is our compass. It sets the direction in our lives. And we deepen our resolve and passion and knowledge of God as we keep on praying. So this is why Jesus says at the beginning of this parable, he says, men always ought to pray. And as we keep on praying, we stay on course. We're to press on in Christ, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So just as this widow was single-minded in her pursuit, we must be determined too, resolute. We must stand firm, and it leads to my final point. So as we persist in prayer, we must really stand firm on God's promises and know his heart for us. When we were worshipping, there was a song and there was a line, it said something like, my eyes are open, I have a future. It's like, yes. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You know, when we set our hearts on something and our hopes and expectations are not met, we often get disappointed. We are human. So it's important that we focus on Christ who helps us keep perspective so that we can stand firm and not get overwhelmed. Like the widow, we have an adversary, the devil, who delights in shooting darts of distraction to tempt us away from our hope in God. But we're to resist aggressively. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. I have written to you, I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life, our hope and our future. And we are con- confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, that's in line with his will. During our recent um, series looking at Ephesians, we heard about the fact that we have this spiritual body armor and a sword that we're required to wear at all times. So I was, as I was writing, I was just imagining a soldier you know, going into battle with his body armor on, and then his, his enemies are approaching, and he reaches for his sword, and oops, he's forgot it at home. It's not there. That's not going to end well, is it? Doesn't have his sword. So as we stand in our full armor, we can stand against the darts and the t- and of temptation, whether it be doubt, impatience, laziness, distractions, or wrong choices. 
but we must stand on the word, which is our weapon. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If ever you're having a tough moment, just remember these images, our armor. Now this, this is what I'm talking about. It doesn't sound passive, does it? Just like any warfare, it's actually active. It's pretty aggressive, actually. Now God says he will fight for us and that his vengeance is his. But we have an active part to play too. Now we'll be tempted by thoughts and feelings that come our way. But as the quote on the next slide says, it says, we don't have to believe every passing thought or emotion as real and true. We can decide which thoughts are worth paying attention to and which are not. It's knowing God's word and knowing him that helps us. It helps us to demolish these disobedient thoughts and temptation and take them captive. It is the word of God that is our weapon. I was talking about that soldier without his sword. This is our sword. And we can stand with our sword. So when the whisper says, God isn't going to give you that thing that you desire, but you know that the desire that you have is right and it's from God, you can say back to that whisper, as I delight in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. So knowing God's truth combats the lies. First Timothy 4, 7 puts it like this. It says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. That's the amplified version. I quite like that. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. Now, I was at a friend's house recently, and I opened a cupboard in the kitchen, and inside the door of this cupboard was an A4 paper with scripture on it. And I loved it. So this week, I've copied my friend's idea. I went ahead and I printed off a couple of scriptures that I'm standing on, that I'm persisting on with in prayer. And I've put them in my prime locations in my house. Um, prime location number one, where I make my tea, so it's there. Eye level, and you know, as I'm stirring my tea, seriously, I'm, I'm looking at this scripture. You know, and, and also on the fridge, because I go there quite a lot, probably more than I should. And you know, it's there, I see the scripture. I jest, you know, you know. But we need to get practical in the spiritual too, so that we can stand firm and keep persisting in prayer, putting God first in our lives. So, to summarize, Jesus used the parable of the prayer to teach us to persist in prayer. The answer may not come straight away, and it may not be the answer that you are expecting but it will be in God's timing. And when the breakthrough happens, it will happen suddenly. And towards the end of the parable, Jesus said, so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. Quickly doesn't mean I pray today and it's here tomorrow. Quickly is in his time and when it comes, it will come. So my final encouragement to you is this. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not get tired of doing what is right, but after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get encouraged and give up. At this time, I'd like to ask the band to come up and the ministry team, if you're around, if you can also come up as well. Now, 
some of us today may be discouraged because we haven't seen the breakthrough that we're hoping for. And we're close to giving up. We're, we're, we're really at the end of the tether. We're, we're really close to just, I can't do it anymore. And some of us may be going through a difficult situation and want to step out and commit from today to persistently praying about it. And lastly, if you would just like ministry, you might want the ministry team to stand with you in agreement on something that you are praying about 